The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of... Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1989's Ghostbusters 2, directed by Ivan Reitman, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, Peter McNichol, and Wilhelm von Homburg. Ghostbusters 2 is a 1989 science fiction comedy film and is a sequel to Ghostbusters. This movie currently holds a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Five years after the events of the first film, the Ghostbusters have been plagued by lawsuits and court orders, and their once lucrative business is bankrupt. However, when Dana begins to have ghost problems again, the boys come out of retirement only to be promptly arrested. The Ghostbusters discover that New York is once again headed for supernatural doom, with a river of ectoplasmic slime bubbling beneath the city, and an ancient sorcerer attempting to possess Dana's baby and be born anew. Can the Ghostbusters quell the negative emotions feeding the otherworldly threat and stop the world from being slimed? Please excuse the delay on this episode. We had some technical difficulties on the night we were intended to record this. I came down ill. No, you, you became gravely sick. Yeah. It appeared. You, you were stumbling all over the place. I was afraid to let you drive home that night. Yeah, so I, I wasn't even sure there was going to be an episode this week. But yeah, here we are pulling it through. It's going to be late, but oh well. Better late than never. Yeah. Like the Titanic <laughs> in, in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kevin, Ghostbusters 2. What's your history with this? What's your history with Ghostbusters in general? Uh, Same as G.I. Joe. I had the, you know, the action figures when I was a kid. I watched the cartoon. This one, I watched the movie when I was a kid. I loved Ghostbusters. I had my own proton pack. I had the trap. I had just about everything you could have that was Ghostbusters. Yeah, I absolutely love Ghostbusters. I think it's such an amazing idea. It's, it's so cool, right? Like, yeah. We were talking about this when we were watching this movie. Like The whole concept, like it's just so cool. Like, Have we seen anything as cool as this? No, since? I was struggling to think of something that was... I mean, it's, it's genius. It really is. Yeah, it's just an amazing concept. They're just like, what, like they're... They're firefighters, essentially, but they, instead of fires, they're stopping like ghosts. Yeah. It's, it's excellent. And, and, and it's, it's really cool. It's really interesting. It's comedic. It's, it's, it's just an amazing concept. The, the first, Ghostbusters 1, to me, it's an almost perfect movie. I gave it a five out of five. Yeah, me too. So me and Ghostbusters, we go way back. I've played all the video games. I used to watch the cartoon show. I even watched Extreme Ghostbusters, if you know what that is. Like most people can agree, Ghostbusters 1, amazing movie. Ghostbusters 2 is a little bit more of a checkered past. I have a, a very brief history of Ghostbusters 2 right here. After the success of the first film in the animated series, The Real Ghostbusters, Columbia Pictures pressured the producers to make a sequel. Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ivan Reitman were uncomfortable with this, as the original film was intended to be conclusive, and they wished to work on other projects, but later agreed. Bill Murray told Entertainment Weekly he was very disappointed with the way the film turned out. He commented, it was a whole lot of slime and not much of us. Let's do what we always do at the top of the show and go through the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Bill Murray, Peter Venkman. He was good. He was very laid back in this one. He was on cruise control yeah. the whole time, right? But, I mean, sometimes that's when he's at his best, right? I mean, that's kind of his shtick a little bit. He's kind of the relaxed guy doesn't really get worked up too much so yeah. but it didn't live up to what he did in the first movie but it was it, you know he's still pete venkman so okay dan Aykroyd. 
Ray Stans. He was pretty much, I think, on par with where he was in the first movie. I gotta agree with he, that. He sure. played his role pretty well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's good. I mean, so far, so good. You know, great. These guys are great so yeah. far. All right. Your fave, Sigourney Weaver. She, uh, she was okay. <laughs> I'm just not a real fave. <laughs> I'm just not a real big Sigourney Weaver fan. I'm not going to quote what Kevin told me before we recorded, but he slandered not only Sigourney Weaver's appearance, but her gender. I'm no, leave, no, I'm, no. I'm I, did, I did not do that. <laughs> I just recalled the fact that I compared Willem Dafoe and Drag from Boondock Saints to Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> So you're not a fan. Yeah, she's, I'm okay with her. I like Sigourney Weaver. She's okay. I don't hate her. Oh, okay. I'm a fan. She, she did a you're fine not. acting job. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, next up, Harold Ramis, Egon. He is my favorite out of all the Ghostbusters and all the actors that, that played those parts in, in these movies. I mean, I, Bill Murray's career is better, but I liked Harold Ramis' take on Egon. Harold Ramis stole this movie. This is his movie. He had yes. all the funny lines. Yep. Almost everything he said, I laughed when we watched it. <laughs> like, and they're just like subtle, dry one-liners, and they're just excellent. Yeah, he, he didn't play the straight man at all. Which is kind of what he did in the first. No, movie. It, it seems like he was like the like a hyper straight man. Like okay, he was yeah. so much of a straight man that it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Okay, next up, Rick Moranis. He played that goofy Rick Moranis role, and then he'd fly off and do movies where children would get drunk and engorged. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, all right. Next up. Ernie Hudson. Because of his character, he's, he's not really in it all that much, just like he wasn't in the first one. They, yeah. he's, he's the straight man. He you doesn't know, have any funny lines. I feel very bad for poor Winston, just the character of Winston. Yeah. If you go back in time, his character is historically always gets the shaft. In the olden days, if you played any of the old Ghostbusters video games, never was there a black Ghostbuster. It was always just the white one. <laughs> they never put Winston in there. It was, it was sad. Mm-hmm. But they, they they rectified that with the new one, right? He's in that. Yeah. Peter McNichol, Ally McBeal guy, as far as I can like. Oh, he was him. on... I remember him from Numbers, which is a show <laughs> I liked a lot. Yeah, he, he was... What was his name? Oh, Janish. Yeah, he played a really... Uh, Very eccentric. Uh-huh. Foreign. I'm not sure where he was supposed to be Caricature from. Caricature kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the ultimate, Wilhelm von Hamburg. Vigo. Vigo himself. What do you think of his performance? Powerful. He brought his A-game. He did. In that portrait. He did. He did. He he was classic 80s villain. Okay, enough of that. Let's uh, get into the nitty gritty of this thing and dissect Ghostbusters 2. And you know, before we begin, I want to make a point that I think the reason a lot of people don't like this movie is because they say that it's essentially just a rehash of the first movie. Mm -hmm. And I specifically made notes throughout this thing where I thought there were elements from the first one okay. that just uh, reappeared. So we'll see where those pop up throughout these things. So where do you start off with your notes? So Ray and Winston, we start off with them as going to a birthday party. And they're basically just there to be almost like you'd go to birthday parties when you were a kid and there'd be someone dressed as like a Ninja Turtle as if they were the, really like the Ninja Turtle came to your birthday party. So that, that was that was their role, kind of like a clown going to a birthday party. To How degrading. The children. Yeah, Pretty very degrading. Feeble. Even more degrading when the children booed them and <laughs> cheered for He-Man. Yeah, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> One of the kids goes up to Dan Aykroyd and he's like, I, my dad says you're full of shit. <laughs> And the funny thing is, that kid would later grow up to direct Juno and Up in the Air. That was Ivan Reitman's uh, son, Jason Reitman. Yeah, you pointed that out. I had no idea. That yeah, was that's him. a pretty cool uh, fun fact. There. Yeah. Right after the party scene, we, we come to find out that the Ghostbusters have 
are pretty much done. They're bankrupt. They've been sued for some reason by every single county and state official. Even though they saved the world, they literally saved the world and everybody saw them do it. Yeah. They got sued by everybody and their business was destroyed and people doubt that they're still real. Like, how could you doubt that they were real after you, the events of the first movie? I don't know. That, that It's pretty flimsy where this movie starts off because they saved the city. The mayor knew they saved the city. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a problem in the future of this movie. I got to think in the events that unfolded at the end of the first movie, there were cameras around to see what was going on. Yeah, the I mean, news was there. These guys stopped a giant Stave Buff Marshmallow Man from <laughs> destroying the city. <laughs> And then it puts them out of business. Yeah. I guess, you know, the argument that you can make. Okay. Let me stretch. <laughs> Let me limber up because I'm going to stretch like really hard here. Okay. You can make the argument that the events of the first movie and the events of this movie, there are no ghosts until there is some sort of major event. Uh, Gozer's coming back. Yeah. In the first, and in the second one, it's Vigo and the slime pool. Mm-hmm. So you can say that the ghosts only appear when there's like a huge kind of shift in like the psychic field or something. How about that? Okay. So when, since they took out Gozer, there's nothing oh, going on. Okay, so, so you're all, saying there's the no ghosts, business left. Yeah, all the ghosts faded away. They, they put themselves out of business. All right, and then Sigourney Weaver shows up and she's, she's got a baby now, apparently. She got married, she got pregnant and divorced. She dated uh, Bill Murray and they broke up. All this happened while we were away and we came back. Her baby's carriage becomes possessed and it flies down the street and she chases after it. Mm-hmm. And it starts bobbing and weaving around all these cars and all this stuff. And she goes to Egon for help. Here's our first rehash of the first movie, right? Yeah. Dana Barrett has ghost problems. Mm-hmm. She needs the Ghostbusters to help her. I don't understand how she made that leap. The carriage kind of got out of control. Like if that happened to you, would you just assume oh, a, a ghost must have took it? So Sigourney Weaver works in this museum with this kooky oddball character, Janos who's played by the Ellie McBeal guy. And he seemed like a rehash of Rick Moranis' character from the first movie because he had a crush on Sigourney Weaver, but she wanted no part of it, exactly yeah. like the first one. Mm-hmm. So when we meet Janish, the painting, he's working on this giant painting of Vigo, who's the, the villain here, the ancient god sorcerer that's trying to come back to Earth. And the painting, when when... He, when Yanish is all alone with the painting, the painting starts talking to him and telling him things to do, commanding him. And for some reason, he listens to the painting. You have a problem with that? If you're alone in a, in a room and a giant, scary-looking painting starts talking to you, don't you just freak out and run away? Now, the whole Vigo in a painting concept, what do you think of that? I don't understand it. Why? <laughs> What's the problem? I guess, you know, we learn that Vigo had been this sorcerer in the 17th century and he was killed and his body was cut up in all little parts and spread out across the world or something like that. Did someone paint him and he put his soul in the painting? Is that what happened? I guess. I mean, I'm not really sure. I, yeah, I, I, I just don't I, understand I don't it. I don't understand it. And then he makes the painting change the way it looks. He's always, he's like winking at Dana at one point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he's winking and sneering at her. Like, this is a joke. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I will say this about Vigo. I think, I agree. It's kind of a stupid concept and it's a stupid villain. I don't like Vigo, but Vigo has this amazing quote. Death is but a doorway. <laughs> Time is but a window. I'll be back. That's always stuck with me. Really? Through the years. Yeah. It didn't stick with me. It didn't Death have the same doorway. Yeah, I love that. That's great. But you go from those dizzying highs of such an amazing <laughs> quote to the absolute bottom of shit with this quote right here. And if I may, a dramatic reading. <laughs> On a mountain of skulls, 
in the castle of pain. I sat on a throne of blood. What was will be, what is will be no more. Now is the season of evil. <laughs> Great job, Vigo. Why would anyone be excited about a season of evil? <laughs> okay, so after all this is done, uh, the Ghostbusters, they, they go out, they, the Ghostbusters go out to investigate where the baby carriage incident took place, and they come to realize that there's something strange happening under the city streets. So that leads us to probably the funniest scene, or one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Yeah, one of. Yeah, where... The Ghostbusters all decide to dig an enormous hole <laughs> in the middle of First Avenue and just like start burrowing through the, <laughs> the city asphalt. Yeah. They finish digging that hole and they lower Ray down into it to see what's going on down there. And after being lowered for a while, there's this big river of pink slime. I think now is as good a time as any to discuss this slime concept. Okay. What's your thoughts on this? In the 80s, slime was huge. Cite your sources right now. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Secret of the Ooze. You can't do that on television. Yes. Um, how about uh, Family Double Dare? There was always <laughs> some kind of slime or something on there. Okay. It was everywhere. Even like the action figures you'd get. I think the Ghostbusters, didn't they come with like a little thing of slime? Yeah, all right. So slime plays a big role in this movie. But why? I don't understand it. Like, first off... Do you think it's a a byproduct of the time? Think of today, right? Like, what are we all concerned with? Global warming, right? Yeah. There's like movies like 2012, stuff like that, like global warming type things. What the hell does slime have to do with uh, people's concerns? Wasn't the 80s, like, wasn't pollution the big thing? water pollution and like factories leaking sludge and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. captain planet captain course. planet there you go see so i think it was probably a product at the time but this begs a lot of questions this whole slime concept first off why is it pink when it's established that you know why not green like everything because green's been done slimer's green and he's made out of ectoplasmic goo yeah why isn't this slime green instead of pink pink's a really weird color and, and another thing, where the hell is all this slime coming from? It just manifested itself. And what purpose does it serve, really? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the purpose was. Like, like you, you had this question, like, what was the end game of all this? Right? Yes, I don't, I don't know what it was. I mean, basically, there's this giant river of slime, which, according to the movie, was, what, generated because of bad feelings that New Yorkers have towards each other? Yeah. So I, I guess at some point that started. I don't know what triggered the original ooze creation or slime creation, but it just kept piling up and it starts flowing to this museum where Vigo is. But I don't know what that slime has to do with Vigo. What does he have to do with the slime? Does he use the slime to, <laughs> to attack people? Like, I, I don't know what, what the connection was. And there was a connection. These aren't independent. No, because they, they find out that in the painting of Vigo, there's like hidden in the background is like the slime river. Yeah. So v, uh, Vigo's master plan. Let's, we might as well talk about that. So Vigo's master plan is that he's going to take an infant child and transfer his soul, I guess, into this vessel okay. and kind of be reborn, yep. rebirthinated into the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that the technical term? Yes. <laughs> For reasons completely and utterly unknown, he has his sights set on Sigourney Weaver's baby, baby Oscar. There must be two million babies in New York City. Well, does he really care? I didn't think he cared. I thought that was Janish. I think it was him, right? Because I think Vigo told him, I need a baby. 
Yeah. And Yanish wants Dana Barrett. Okay. So I think he's like, oh, she has a baby. Just get another baby. Especially since, like, I think they made the assumption that, like, the, the, the stars were right. This was the only time that he could do this. Why did it have to be New Year's 1989 <laughs> or whatever it yeah, was? Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Did the, uh, did the ancient Carpathians have a Gregorian calendar like, like we do? Yeah, did they even have the same concept of time and calendar <laughs> as we do? <laughs> And what does that have to do with transferring between, like, what is he in another dimension? Where is he right now? He's in the painting planet. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so while, while Ray's dangling over the slime river, the cops show up and the Ghostbusters inadvertently trigger a citywide <laughs> blackout. Yep. <laughs> it was hilarious. And they get arrested. <laughs> and the guy that they got to be the judge. Judge Wexler. He is unreal. This guy is amazing. <laughs> Like the, he's really good. <laughs> he is the hardest judge ever. Yeah. The way this guy yells and screams, it's hilarious. So yeah. this movie's almost worth seeing just for that. Like it's great. Yeah, he was great. And uh, we finally get to see our first ghosts. Yeah. At this point in the movie, right? You know, for a movie called Ghostbusters, there isn't a lot of busting of ghosts. Yeah. So, yeah. The Scolari brothers they pop up because it turns out that this slime, this pink ooze, is connected to human emotion so if you're really angry around it like ghosts pop out of it so these two killers pop up and they they raise havoc and this scene was very similar to the hotel sequence in the first movie Mm -hmm. so there's your next connection okay so what'd you think about their ghost busting suits in this movie joel i have a couple things to say about that because during this whole courtroom scene they first don their pro this is the first time in the movie that they put their proton packs on and actually yeah. use them. Yep. And they're using it while they're wearing their like suits. Mm-hmm. I thought they looked awesome. They oh looked, yeah. They look really cool busting ghosts in their suits. All business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also added an interesting wrinkle, I thought. Like, you didn't even notice, but this this weighed heavily <laughs> on my soul while I was watching this movie. Whereas the original movie, their jumpsuits were like tan. And this one, they're kind of like this dark green or gray. So I thought that was an interesting like mix. They they would go back and forth between the two. I thought they looked cool. Do you think that was just to sell toys? Because the kid on, kid on the street couldn't pass off his Egon as a Ghostbusters 2 version when of it was actually Egon. a Ghostbusters 1. Good point. But you know what? I'll tell you this. Slimer is in this movie. Yep. And the only reason I read that Slimer is in this movie is because the cartoon show was so popular at the time with kids. Mm-hmm. And the cartoon show kind of invented this idea that Slimer lived yeah. with the Ghostbusters as their pet. Which I loved, <laughs> by the way. I, I used to drink Ecto Cooler all the time. Oh, man. Slimer on it. We were going to get to that eventually because <laughs> I had a note about that. By far the best high C flavor ever made, right? We're in agreement on that. Yeah, by the way, you can still get that, but it's under a different name. Orange Lava Burst, I believe. Tanger, isn't it like screaming Tanger Green? Who cares? <laughs> You go on Wikipedia and you can find out what yeah. it is. Yeah, they, they, they probably, a lot of the stuff that's in this movie, it probably exists to sell toys. Like, they're, yep. they're slime cannons. Like, they're, that's a dumb idea. They have, these, <laughs> they, they have these large canisters on their back that shoot goo everywhere. And, that, I mean, <laughs> useless against fighting a ghost, right? And useless in the movie, essentially. Oh, no, they played a big part in the movie. Uh, yeah, for something really dumb. Yeah. So after all this, the Ghostbusters go back to the museum and they take pictures of Vigo's painting and they run all these tests in their little makeshift dark room that they have. Mm-hmm. To me, this scene completely sums up why the Ghostbusters concept is so good and why it works so well. The Ghostbusters are, they're developing the, these pictures. They're in the room, they're leaning against the wall, and then they have this really quick conversation. So what do you think? 
Chinese? Uh, how about Thai? Nah, too spicy. Greek? Uh, Mexican? Pizza. Thin or thick? Chicago. And then the whole room bursts into flames. Right? The, the pictures magically light on fire. And, and then they're, they almost die. So this is what I love about this scene. It's because it's this perfect blending of really mundane stuff, like real world stuff, mm-hmm. but with like the spin of like supernatural danger to it. Yeah. So that's why these movies work so well because everything else that happens in this movie, it's, it's definitely in the real world. Yeah. And, that, and that's where like where all the comedy comes from because all this ridiculous stuff is happening. And that, that little scene just wraps it up perfectly, like what these movies are all about. And this is the kind of thing that's, can you think of any other movie that's kind of tried to do this sort of thing? I got Men in Black. I, I don't even think that comes close. But they're trying. Yeah, they try. Uh, uh, like something like Galaxy Quest tries to do this yeah, sort of thing. They did a good job. Evolution. Yeah, I was thinking Evolution. That came to mind first. Can't think of anything. So all these movies, they, they, they try to get this kind of blend, but very few make it. And so we, we, let's just fast forward all the way to like uh, the end here because my, my notes just kind of like jump. Like they make a huge leap to what happens at the end of the movie. So Vigo gets baby Oscar mm-hmm. and is going to do a sacrifice and put himself inside the baby somehow. He's going to put his manhood inside of this baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible way of phrasing it <laughs> well that's what he's doing isn't it okay okay <laughs> for some reason the slime encases the museum in a bubble for reasons unknown the ghostbusters decide that the only way to penetrate this bubble of hate that's around the museum <laughs> is to use a symbol that is like pure and that everybody loves yeah. or whatever so yeah. kevin please describe what happens next so they decide that they should use the pink slime that they've now learned how to positively charge. I'm not, I don't really... They kind of glossed over that. I don't know how they positively charged it. Yeah, by having like positive emotions, you can make things... like They made a toaster dance around. Oh, is that how they did it? They just, they just were nice to the slime? Yeah, it's, it's the inverse of okay. the hate. So they, they load up their slime guns with the positive slime, and they head to the Statue of Liberty, and they coat the entire inside of it. Now, remember, there's... Four Ghostbusters. <laughs> and a project like coating the inside of the entire Statue of Liberty with slime with those guns, how long would that take? Hours? Days? <laughs> days, maybe? days, probably. <laughs> they also wire it up. There's wires all over the place. That they what did up. they use? The wires were connected to an <laughs> NES controller. Kevin, that was the NES Advantage. Oh, uh, okay. I'm which sorry. I had as a kid. <laughs> I didn't have that. I'm sorry. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then they used that to take control of the Statue of Liberty. They use a video game controller and some pop music to <laughs> manually control <laughs> the Statue of Liberty. How? <laughs> How? That's my question. Okay, so this is set up earlier when they put the positively charged slime, or negatively, I don't even know what it was. They put slime in a toaster, and they played some dance music, and the toaster jumped all around, kind of uncontrollably. And now they've put that same slime in the Statue of Liberty, they played some music, and somehow connected an NES controller to all this. And now they can direct it of where to go control its speed its direction <laughs> all right let me let me stretch one more time okay one last time ah, yeah, you know i might snap my all right, back i'm gonna sit back and listen to this. On this one okay all right this is psychokinetic slime it works on human thought essentially and emotion so maybe and just maybe the power of positive thinking <laughs> <laughs> direct the Statue of Liberty. Then why would they need 
the controller. <laughs> Why do they just use their minds? Yeah, their minds. That's eye. the case. And it makes it easier to focus. I don't know. Oh, I know why. So they can sell the Ghostbusters two Nintendo game. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Which is a horrible game. <laughs> if anyone ever plays it, they direct the Statue of Liberty all the way to the museum. They make it walk through the streets of New York, trampling just like Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. Yes, trampling police cars, possibly people. They get all the way to the museum, and we see that there's a giant crowd gathered, uh-huh. and they're cheering. <laughs> they're cheering the fact that the Ghostbusters are desecrating <laughs> one of our country's famous symbols. Yeah, you know, I, I thought this too, because like by the end of the movie, the Statue of Liberty is just like disheveled and like <laughs> hanging off the side. It looks like it looks like it does in the movie Cloverfield it, by the end does, of this movie. It does. They were they got sued just for blowing up a building. <laughs> <laughs> this is a national monument. <laughs> An international symbol. <laughs> They then use the arm of the Statue of Liberty that has the torch in it, and they bring it down on the very top. Doesn't the torch actually burst into actual flame? Oh, it does, yeah. One point, <laughs> it does. It bursts into flame. So, Kevin, you, you, you feel that this movie hit its nosedive. Was this it? Yeah, right then. Okay. It just it got too crazy. I can accept the ghost busting. It's, it's, it's part of the premise <laughs> that they're ghost busting, okay? But this is just absurd. So they used the arm to bust open the very top of the museum, which was the only part of the museum that, like, I guess wasn't covered. The Ghostbusters drop down and the final battle begins. At this point, I wrote down that Vigo is a complete non-entity in this movie. He is completely unassuming, non-threatening, pointless villain character. They did, no, they did not do a good job setting up that this... He just looked menacing. Threat. He looked yeah, menacing. That was yeah. it. The Ghostbusters come down and, and <laughs> they are able to wrestle Oscar away from this platform that he's been set set on so that v, uh, Vigo can kind of transfer himself to the baby's body. And it's done right in the middle of Vigo kind of trying to transfer. So you see when the baby's ripped away that Vigo's head is, is kind of there in pain, like face is all scrunched up. And then... Vigo all of a sudden appears, whole body appears as if just what, the way he looked in the painting and he's walking around. Yeah, he, he just gets out of the painting and starts walking around. What did he need baby Oscar for? Yeah, what was the point? <laughs> he could just come out of the painting. Did he need to be younger? Is that, was this vanity? This wasn't very thought out, was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hey, and I also wrote down here, like uh, Dan Aykroyd, he gets possessed by Vigo a little bit. Yeah. So Ray is a psychic weak link. Just like in the first one. Uh, yes. Yeah, definitely. So here we go again. Like, man. All right, all right. So let me just get to the end of this thing. So they, they defeat Vigo, whatever. He, they beat him real easy. And then the stupidest thing I've seen in a long time <laughs> happens in this movie where what was once a giant picture of Vigo the Carpathian repaints itself to the, the four Ghostbusters, like, Renaissance men. <laughs> In robes, robes and togas, and they're like they look like Plato and Aristotle holding a baby. Like, like this is the stupidest thing. Like, who thought that was a good idea? That's crap. The end. Okay, Kevin, uh, let's see what the real critics have to say about Ghostbusters Two. No one has ever accused Ghostbusters Two of being a great film, or even a good one, for that matter. Christopher Null, FilmCritic.com, a terrible disappointment. A shockingly self-satisfied and unforgivably slapdash sequel. TV Guides, Movie Guide. And finally, there's very little energy in the follow-through, and this time, Murray's listlessness seems more anemic than comic. 
Jonathan Rosenbaum, Chicago Reader. Okay, Kevin, this movie has a 53% around tomatoes. Is it really that bad? No, I don't think it's that bad. It's not the original. It tried to be, as you kind of laid out, copied a lot from the original. But it's still a fun movie. It's still good. It holds up, which is something you can't say for a lot of the movies from that era. I'll give it a three out of five. All right. As for me, is it really that bad? No, it's not that bad. I like this movie. You know, this is actually the first time I've seen it in a long time. So I, I was happy to see it. Is it really similar to the, the first movie? Yeah, it is. But I really enjoyed the ride. Like I said before, this movie is really fun until it kind of just falls to pieces at the end with the Statue of Liberty garbage and all it, that stuff. Is, is that when you also feel like it, it falls apart? Like is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's like, this is stupid. Like, okay. this, is, this is too much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's done. But other than that, man, I, I had a lot of fun. I'm going to say this. So this is episode 20 of this show. Mm-hmm. And I've had the most fun watching this movie. Yeah. Or, or, or at least it was it's up there as one of the most fun movies I've watched for this show so far. So on a scale of one to five, if I give the first one a five, I'll give this one a four. I, I love Ghostbusters. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's read some listener mail. Celia writes in with uh, some vindication for Kevin about the Boondock Saints. Nice. She says, the ex-mafia guy that works in the toilet says Il Duce has been in prison for 25 years and in a deleted scene... Ma calls from Ireland. We find out the twins are 27, meaning that their father was in prison when they were two. Therefore, they wouldn't know him. The prayer they repeat is mentioned earlier to Rocco as a family prayer, therefore signifying that because Il Duce knows the prayer, he must be their father. Epic film. Nice. Yeah, that's That's what I That's exactly what Kevin said. But then that also goes into what I said during that review was you cut out one scene Mm -hmm. and it just causes... A world of confusion for Yeah, so that's else. two scenes that were cut that would have been really Useful. important to understanding yeah. that movie. Okay. I didn't know that. Were they were twins? Ah, no, fraternal. I think they were fraternal twins. I, I don't even think I knew that. Okay, so Kyle writes in about G.I. Joe. He says, sorry I'm a bit late with my comment, but I think this is a good one. I actually saw G.I. Joe at my local theater, which I regretted. Later on, it was movie night with my girlfriend and we popped in Team America. The result was some serious deja vu. It's like G.I. Joe is a reverse parody or something. Both even have the Eiffel Tower falling down in similar shots. Anyway, keep up the great show. Oh my god, I remember that. I liked Team America a lot when I saw that in the theaters, but I haven't seen it since. I wonder if that would hold up. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. And here are some of the answers to the question of the week. So last week we watched Mortal Kombat, which was a, a bad video game movie. And I asked whether there are any good video game movies or if there are any video games out there that could make a good movie. And we got a lot of responses on this one. So Mr. Richway says... I think it's safe to say there are no good video game movies. On the plus side, there are enough abysmal video game movies out there to keep your podcast busy for a long, long time. Check out Dead or Alive or any Uwe Boll movie for that matter. Josh from Tulsa writes in and says, I remember Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, being pretty good when I saw it over a decade ago, at least by anime standards. But since the anime craze was still fairly new back then, I'm not confident it would hold up today. As for live action movies, it definitely does not. All the critics say video game movies are like going to somebody's house and watching them play a video game and never getting a turn. I don't know if I agree, because at least I can name a few occasions when I had fun doing that. Justin writes in and says, Although Scott Pilgrim technically isn't a video game movie, it is the closest version of a video game comic ever seen on screen. Plus, it's pure amazingness. 
but for one actually based on a video game, either the Resident Evil films or in a movie about video games, The King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Did you see that? Love that movie. So do uh, five out of five. Yeah, easily. If anybody has never seen King of The King of Kong, you should see that. Don't waste your time watching uh, Mortal Kombat. Go watch that instead. <laughs> Nate the Ape 21 writes in and says, After going through the depressing list of video game movies on Wikipedia, I have to agree with Josh and go with Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. I need to rewatch it, but at the time it was great and made the Jean Claude Van Damme one look even more horrible. As for video games that would make a great movie, I would love to see a Gears of War, Uncharted, Mass Effect, or Bioshock movie. But I think one of the problems with video game movies is that Hollywood shoves an eight hour game into a 90 minute movie. I have always wanted a video game like Mass Effect made into an HBO miniseries. And we have a bunch of other emails of people wanting Mass Effect and Metal Gear Solid and things like that. I would see a Metal Gear Solid movie. That would be cool. I guess for the next question of the week, I guess in honor of Ghostbusters 2, what's another sequel that you can think of that is just essentially a rehash of the original? So we got The Hangover 2 in theaters, which I hear is the exact same thing as the first one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Did you ever see Escape from L.A.? No, I didn't. That is identical to Escape from New York. <laughs> okay, so if you can think of any sequels which are just a rehash of the original, head on over to yesthatbad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's the time when we reveal the winner of the next Listener's Choice episode. And the choices were Sphere versus Waterworld. And the winner is... Waterworld. What do you think of that? Terrible. I saw that in the theaters as a little kid. Horrible movie. Horrible movie. Okay, great, great, great. This movie is currently available on Netflix Instant, so you can play along with us at home. If you've already seen this movie, please send us your review at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the show at 973-797-YEAH. That's 973-797-9324. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday, except for today. What <laughs> uh, a liar. Yeah. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. Like, like Vigo on the <laughs> throne of pain or whatever. <laughs> please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really help us out. It really helps to spread the word of the show out to other people like yourself. Uh, please help spread the word of the show by liking us on Facebook and talking about us on Twitter. You can do both of that from yeahitsthatbad.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at yeahitsbad. Once again, thanks for listening. Hey, here's a little piece of trivia for you about uh, Egon. So Dr. Venkman teases Dr. Spengler about his lab assistant, and Dr. Spengler responds, I think she's more interested in my epididymis. Pop quiz, what is an epididymis? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> take have a no guess, idea. take a shot. You people at home, take a shot. I don't know. Uh, the skin on your head. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's more interested in my epididymis. The epididymis are the small tubes that connect the vas deferens to the testes. Oh. There you go. You were close. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>